1: Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Steven Maggie, the podcast. There are great tribute shows around Las Vegas. You all know that. But one of the really interesting ones is available now. It's over at the Virgin Hotel, a great place to see a great show. It's called 27, A Musical Adventure. And with us is Eric Himmel. Eric is co producer and musical director of 27, A Musical Adventure. And with him, the guy who plays Jimi Hendrix, Nazim Chambi. Welcome, both. Uh, What an exciting concept. Uh, did you realize when you sent this thing out, I know that it, it was originally opened up at the Troubadour on March 10th, right before everything hit the fan, but the response in the room, what I understand, was incredible. People loved it, and the idea of these great legends getting together is something else. So first of all, give us, a, if you would, Eric, give us kind of a, a what people can expect to see and how this all developed into a show. Well, what they can
2: expect to see is... In- actual real concert. There's no tracks, there's nothing fake about the entire show, which is most of the Vegas shows I've seen have got some tracks going and, you know, uh, we didn't spare any expense. We wanted to make sure that it was a real concert experience for people. The lights are on point, uh, you know, the musicians are the best of the best. We're an entire cast from Los Angeles that have all now relocated here to do this residency. Uh, so, you could really expect uh, when you walk in there that even though it's a smaller room, it would be like going to see, you know, Pink or Katy Perry at the, you know, the, the or Staples Center. I mean, that's the level of quality we've brought to this show into that room. And it all came about because it was the brainchild of the main producer, Rami Albatrawi. And he has been wanting to do this show. He had the concept to do this show for the last 15 years. And, just happened to stumble in the viper room one night in Los Angeles, and we we met, and you know he was he saw one of the performers, and it sparked him to to do this idea, and he goes at the time, he thought it was a sign from the universe, and that's how we and, and in two weeks we did the Troubadour show, like we put it together in two weeks.
1: It's a fantastic idea, the fact that these great, great entertainers died at age 27, and you look at them, and the the quality of and the importance they had in the business is just so shocking and so forth. Was it almost kind of a difficult thing to find people to play, like Kurt Cobain? Or we're going to talk to Nazim who plays Jimi Hendrix, uh, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison. I mean, these were more than just great entertainers. They were all kind of... Um, leaders in terms of cultural changes in music and so forth
2: Yeah, no doubt uh... i'll be i'll be totally honest with you um, it was it, it wasn't hard but it was hard the, the treatment or show as soon as rainy discussed the concept with me i didn't have to think at all i knew exactly who could do which part instantaneously Now when we're looking at having two, three, four cast deep, that's where the challenge now begins. But initially I didn't, the only person that I didn't know who I could fill the position for was Robert Johnson. That one was a little bit hard to find, but the rest of the performers, it was literally a no brainer. Like it just, I I knew exactly who could do Jim Morrison and Kurt Cobain. I mean, it was, and that's only because I've been in LA for so long and, uh, hosted a networking event for six years so it was really easy just to just to think who's performed at that event and uh it, it made it really easy but the challenge is to find more and more people
1: yeah well let's talk to nazim you're playing uh Jimi hendrix uh, again big challenge right Most people agree he's the greatest guitarist of all time. You got to go out there and you got to not only capture the way he played the guitar, which is very difficult to do, but his whole persona. He was such an interesting uh, person at the time. How did you do it? I mean, did you start going back and looking at old concert uh, films of him and so forth and listen to records? How did you do it?
2: Actually, no. So, Jimmy, for me, uh, I've really captured me, I would say... About 15 years ago, it's when I got, uh, you know, I had Woodstock. You know, I always thought he was great. And I liked him. But when I saw Monterey Pop Festival performance where, you know, that was his first big performance in America when he was found in, uh, brought from England, um, that's where it hit me. I saw him perform and I went, whoa, it did something to me. And I just, since that day, I'd, I'd start watching the show before every performance to get inspired when I was playing my rock band you know, and I would take moves here and there and kind of take his persona. It kind of happened very naturally, to be honest with you. And it's something I always carry with me, man. And The clothes and the hats, I just, I really vibed it. So then, you know, it was kind of a natural thing for me. And Even when I played guitar, um, if you know the way Hendrix plays chords, he uses his thumb. He doesn't do bar chords. And that was something I naturally did when I started playing guitar. Um, so a lot of the playing kind of came natural to me and the rhythms and things like that. Um, so, you know, and then I grew up in the Bay Area in Oakland I would sometimes do Hey Joe, was the only song I would ever cover by him, and I was comfortable doing, and people loved it I even got a manager out of it and and so when I was in LA one day, uh, like Eric was saying, he was running a, a night at the Viper Room I went in one night just to support because I'd always go there to play, and one night I was like you know what, I'm just going to go hang out and, and support and that's where Eric approached me about it, and at first, I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, I was kind of, he was telling me the songs. I felt like I wasn't ready. But then, you know, I slept on it. i went, like, you know what? I got this. And, mm-hmm. you know, we went to rehearsals, and it awoken something else in me as far as Jimmy, as far as uh, singing the other songs. that Besides Hazel, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, man, it was just, it was such a natural thing. Cause I already had, I would say, the, the, the Hendrix energy.
1: Yeah, uh, and that energy is important because all of those songs, as I think of those things, uh, the old Bob Dylan song, All Along the Watchtower, right. Purple Haze, all those things. When you hear those songs, if you were around in the 60s, I was a little kid in that time, but mm-hmm. it brings you right there. So it, it, it's more than just somebody singing a song. You can almost see the stuff on the screen as, as you're playing it. And Hendrix was so great of that way and I guess that's from uh, so it's kind of uh, as I'm listening to you I'm thinking well you had an admiration for him that you decided to dive into this before you were going to you ever thought of doing this
2: exactly man it was just something that and you know it, and again it wasn't something like I'm going to be a, you know I'm going to play Hendrix and stuff it was just I'm going to use the Hendrix energy persona that inspired me to play you know and I'd be in rock bands and you know funk bands everything I always brought that with me you know it was, it was just in me so and of course, with this show, I mean, i since I think we've done almost sixty shows now. Mm-hmm. I've, I've you know, there's a, a guy that runs an Instagram page I've been following for years, and I sent him that we we're doing the show. and He's been coming, and he's blown away by it. And he's been sending me very rare Hendrix things you can't really find online. And I've been diving into that, going, "Whoa! I never knew he did that. I never knew he played that. He played this woman." And so now I'm diving even deeper. After doing you know 50 something shows, now I'm like really researching stuff I never thought about before. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and I would imagine then that when everybody's up on the stage and so forth, the mm-hmm. idea of Jimmy playing with Janis Joplin or, right. or Kurt Cobain, you got to kind of think, you got to kind of put yourself into that situation. Well, what would Jimmy do, right? And and Absolutely. and that must be kind of fun, I would think. You know, you can really kind it of imagine. So fun.
2: Yeah, it's a fun thing, man. I'll tell you another thing, man, is is when I do perform and I do the Hendrix stuff, for me, it's a form of channeling, you know? I kind of, like, sit there and I "I have to be sober, mind, No drink, nothing. Like, I have to be sober, and it comes through so effortlessly like that. You know, it's just like something comes over me, and here we go, and it becomes effortless, and...
1: There we are, almost 50 shows later. <laughs> well, you, you, yeah. well, you, well, you know, Eric, uh, people that have seen this come back to me and they say it's incredible how they get these people up there like they're playing together because this group of people, they all died in 27. They all were real important, but they weren't all the same. I mean, you know, you, you could, everybody can kind of imagine Hendrix and Joplin, but you start throwing in Amy Winehouse or Jim Morrison. Yeah, right. And, and, and was that going on in your mind too? Well, How will you make this work where people could actually believe this is going on and kind of put these fantastic uh, stars together in a way where you can kind of make that all meld?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Is it, it, I didn't really know, and I tossed around a few different things when we first did the show with the Troubadours, and really what tied it together is Robert Johnson because he influenced so many people with the blues Hendrix, I mean, Kurt Cobain used to cover lead belly, you know, blues tunes. I mean, they're all influenced in some way from Robert Johnson. So we used that to tie the whole show together. We do Sweet Home Chicago, which actually I didn't even know was a Robert Johnson song until I was working on the show. I know, and I didn't even know Robert Johnson wrote Crossroads either. You know, funny enough. Right. right. Enough, I didn't even have a guitar player, I didn't even know that. Like so I was actually I learned a little bit when we first did the show last year, but I experimented with a few different ideas, and I have a few other things on the horizon. Because over time, we are going to adapt the show and change the show a bit, so that when people come back in six months, they do see something fresh. So that to tying it all together is is the big key. And I think we'll it may be even something where we do a second song with the entire cast. I don't, I'm not sure yet how we'll do it or what we'll do, but that is definitely a big pivotal moment, and it's it's really interesting to see you know what would have happened if. They all were together. I mean, it's the, it would be the greatest, uh, the greatest band that had ever lived if you had all
1: six of those people together at one time.
2: Uh, no they question. It's a super room, no doubt.
1: Yeah, it's a fantasy camp basically of the yeah. great rockers. Yeah, because you take Kurt, and I'm wondering how have audiences responded? Because I imagine you have a certain group of people that just love Kurt Cobain. I mean, they're going for Cobain, right? And yeah. you have somebody else with Amy Winehouse, and maybe you know, and then for Jimmy. Is it one of those things where you you kind of like if you're a Cobain person, you go for Cobain, but then you sit through this and realize, wow, there's some other great ones too.
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, it's funny is one of the uh, executives from the hotel did not know who Amy Winehouse was, and he ended up loving Amy Winehouse after seeing the show. But then it's like twofold. You touched something earlier about the Purple Haze bringing people back. It's like you you look out to the audience. I even see people that maybe I, I don't think know Nirvana, that are a, a little older, and they end up singing every word. So every segment seems to to take people back in some way or form. And but the funny thing is, is for me playing the show, I have like a different favorite every night. Like it's interesting how everybody. It's almost like everybody's trying to outdo each other. As as Janet comes on, and Nizim comes on, and then the the Jim Morrison comes on. It's like they're all they're all trying to outdo each other the whole night. And sometimes you know the Kurt Cobain guy, like. One like, night, the, the guitar flew across the crowd into the back onto the stage. I'm like, wow! Like, you end up having and people that have seen the show multiple times say the same thing too. They're like, oh, I really like this one tonight and that one tonight. And you know, it is it, interesting. I think I think this show is so to the point that people just get encapsulated from the beginning. You're really lost from for 95 minutes. It's it's really uh, it really takes you on a journey. You're you'll probably will like the rest. You
1: know? Well, you know, Nazim, I'm thinking of. Uh you sitting there talking about the Monterey Pop Festival, and this is as close as you're going to get to that kind of thing because in the Monterey Pop Festival, you had all these different people play. I mean, Jimmy and Janice yep. were both there. Yep. It's kind of the same thing, right? You know, instead of maybe Simon it's and Garfunkel, course. you got Amy Winehouse, whatever. <laughs> but-
2: yup. And, you know, it's, it's I was going to add to one more thing before I go to that is I have, after the shows, you know, you have younger crowds that show up, you know, and they're like, you know, I never knew who Hendrix was, but now after seeing that, I'm going to go listen to all the music. I, I, oh my god, it's so exciting, I want to know more, or I'll have someone going, you know, I didn't really like Hendrix before, but I've actually seen you perform the songs that way, and I want to go explore some more. So it's a, funny, it's a funny thing that happened, and then, of course, like you were saying about Monterey Pop Festival, Hendrix, the reason he burned his guitar is because there was an argument backstage about who was going to follow The Who. The Who was going to go, and The Who was already big in the States, yeah. and no one knew who Jimmy was. Um, they knew who he was because of England, but they were like, no, nah, we're going to go first. So The Who went on and smashed the stage up, what they did. Then The Grateful Dead went on. And then Jimmy went on. And uh, someone told Jimmy, maybe you should burn the guitar.
1: And, you know, he ended up doing it. <laughs> it's incredible, you know. And you think of those three, the Who, you know, the Grateful Dead and Jimi Hendrix, and you think, it's kind of a little what you guys are doing, you know. Which Was there any thought to, like, I, I think of that movie School of Rock, and there's one part of that movie where he's showing the little kids how Rock got to be there with all the different lines, and this one begat, this one begat, this one. In a way... Even though everybody died at 27, they died at different times over a, a long area. It is kind of a chronology, at least part of it, of uh, of rock and roll. Yeah, you can hear the
2: evolution in the songs, you know, uh, real quick to touch on the last point is a, uh, you know, I saw a girl in the audience. She must have been six years old or something. She was in the second row like last weekend, and she had a Jim Morrison shirt on. And the Jim Morrison went out, and. She started crying, and it was like you know. I think the way we're we're executing the show is we're really trying to be authentic, and we don't have any extra. We don't have like dancers or any like bazaars. It's, it's it's literally a rock concert. People are really transformed, and they're giving people they're giving people an opportunity to hear the songs authentically and done properly, and really with attention to detail that they would obviously not get nowadays unless it was like a hologram concert. And then you have the people that have actually seen these artists before that are getting
1: to relive those memories. So it's really great for everybody. Well, Nazim, you know, is everybody like you? Because, I mean, you actually, as somebody who, I was a little kid then, trust me, but I remember kind of the reverence people had that were big Hendrix fans, and you have that. Do the other people have that as well with whoever they're performing as? Is it it something that they all kind of bring that, um, truly a tribute, are are they bringing that uh, to the show as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone, you know, like, uh, like you were saying, you know, everyone tries to kind of up one each other. But it's like, everyone inspires each other to do next. So if someone sees me perform and do certain things, and go, oh man, it looks like he have been doing this for a while, then they push themselves to get there. And we all talk backstage, we all encourage each other. I'm like, no, you just gotta let go, go for it. And everyone's been really killing it. I mean, yesterday I was sitting on the side, actually watching the artists. I was watching um, Adi do Janice and I was truly blown away. And, you know, same with Jim Morrison and, and of course, uh, Kurt and Amy. I mean, Amy Winehouse, to me, is one of the greatest uh, soulful singers. And Leah has been just taking that and taking it to another level. And it inspired me. And I go, whoa, like, she's really tapping into that, man. And, and So that's, I think everybody's really killing it, man, as far as that that comes, you know. It's about letting go and just letting it happen, man. Just channel. You can't think about it.
1: You know? uh, well, no, it's exciting about like Amy Winehouse, for example, because I think sometimes mm-hmm. she gets lost in all this. I mean, pe- people that were fans realize how great, but she wasn't the obvious fit that some of these people were, and I think it's great that uh, we can remember her, and, of course, comes from a different time, too. So, uh, Right. Well, right. i, I got to ask you a couple things, Eric. Number one, okay, this is all about, unfortunately, the death at the age of a very young age of 27. Is that reviewed in the show? Will people get a little feel for the fact that these all died tragically were certainly too young.
2: Yeah, it, it, we actually have the show narrated in, the, in between segments by John O'Hurley, the Great. actor that was on Seinfeld. He played Elaine Foss, Mr. Peterman. He, yeah. he narrates the show, and throughout the segment, you learn about the artist, you learn about uh, the things that they did, like, you know, how Janis Joplin was such a big figure in the counterculture movement, and in fact, you know, we all just took a trip to San Francisco over the weekend and did a free promo show there. And it I was telling Zine last night, right before he I, he went on stage, we were I was on the side of the stage, I walked out to switch guitars. I thought, man, going on that trip now, because I had never actually been to the Haight-Ashbury district of San Francisco. I've been there a bunch. I've never went to Haight-Ashbury. Mm-hmm. The narration like kicked in the next level for me last night. And I was like, wow, it's really, it really, I see how the story is tied together now, actually experiencing that area of, the world, and you can feel it, too. So you do go on a, a journey about how they impacted the music life and, and, and culture and everything and really what they stood for. You know, they, we talked about how Jimi Hendrix, the whole point of the Star Spangled Banner was his opposition to the war, and he had the sounds of you know bombs and gunfire he tried to do with his guitar. So you learn about those things in, in between the segments and about the artist.
1: Well, yeah, and they're all really interesting personalities. I mean, and they're all kind of tragic figures, too, that had a lot of difficulties. I mean, I think of Janis Joplin, and you look back at her incredible career and some of the oh, difficulties she had in her life, you know, you realize where that comes from. Amy Winehouse fought her her demons as well. Uh, all of these people. So it's it's so much talent, and yet we're kind of living on the edge a bit, too, and and really struggling with life.
2: Yeah, we focus... We- we, yeah, and that's a good point. We do focus a lot more about their impact is yeah. we don't want to upset anybody and right. talk about those things. Even though they were known for those demons and known for that kind of erratic behavior and lifestyle and that predictability, you know, we, we really want to shine and hit the points of how they impacted uh, the world in a positive way
1: absolutely well people are in for a lot of fun 27 a musical adventure it's over at the brand new virgin hotel great place wonderful show you've got to see it are you guys thinking about putting an album out because i was just looking at this and so forth thinking, i think a lot of people would love an album you know a soundtrack of this
2: <laughs> you know i don't want to give too much away you know but i will i will say that one of the thoughts i had Originally was that you know I tape every show for my own reference. So I was like maybe there would be a way that people could get a USB stick or something. This was I, I, I decided against it, but I was like initially like maybe they could take a USB stick of each show they come to. But we have discussed the possibility of maybe doing say, one recording. But I will tell you that we will have more shows coming in more cities very soon. So that's been that's kind of taken over the focus, but we. We definitely have thought about, like, you know, if you've, if you've seen Rent and any other Broadway or music, right. they do usually put an album out of the original cast and such. So that's, it's been in the, on the back burner for sure, but it's, it's there. It would be great to do that, I think.
1: Well, Eric, Dazim, thank you so much for being with us. And everybody, go see this one more time. It's 27, a musical adventure. And uh, let us know, guys, when you are going to more places. We'll announce it across the country. We want to follow this because I think it's for those of us that love that that whole music. And really, I think the best thing, the most interesting thing about the show is seldom do you have a thing where there's different types of music all meld together. It's really kind of a, a wonderful show. I think people will love it thank you so
2: much Well Appreciate that's it. Let's go to Vegas baby Let's go now Let's
0: go to Vegas We'll say upon us Come Let's go to Vegas baby Let's get away. Let's get away We'll sleep forever and wake in happy What if every dollar you invested into your training program E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible. Utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at EpsilonXR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com.
1: Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home, and I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is baseball cards and bobbleheads, where they are always buying. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. That's 310-534-4180. Baseball cards and bobbleheads, 310-534-4180.